in the New Living Translation this morning, but uh, please do follow on in whatever translation of the Bible you have brought to church uh, this morning. This is God's Word, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside perfect streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. It's always uh, good uh, to, to get another translation of the Bible. I often do that when I, I'm on my holidays. I, I read the NIV most of the time, but when I go away on holidays, I take a different translation of the Bible with me. And just recently on holidays during the summer, I was reading the New Living Translation and just brought things to, to life in a fresh way. And I was so, so blessed. So I would encourage you to do that. We're going to pray for a little moment. Let's just pray together. Lord God, we just thank you again for the children that have gone to Sunday school. We just pray, Lord, for those that will teach them the precious word of God today. We pray that they will know the help of the Lord. We pray that those children will be attentive to the taught word of God. And we ask that your spirit will be busy working in our children's lives. Lord, above everything else, we just want to see our children saved. We just want to see them walking with Jesus and enjoying him every day in their lives. Father, we just want to pray for our church here in Kilkenny. We thank you for these days of new beginnings. We thank you for the folks, Lord, who have come out to church this morning in this early service and those that will come in the later service. And, oh God, we pray as many of our activities get going again. We just ask, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will sweep through us. We pray for youth fellowship that will start on Friday night. We pray for James and Amy and others that were involved in that ministry. We thank you for the young uh, people that we have. And we just ask, Lord, as they study together the book of Hebrews and see that Jesus is better. We just pray that they will fall deeper and deeper in love with the Lord Jesus. Father, we do thank you for other ministries. We thank you for the ladies' Bible studies that are happening uh, during these weeks as well in different locations. And we pray as ladies get together to study the word that they would be blessed. And Lord God, as others' activities start to happen, we just pray, Lord, that you will be in the midst. We thank you for the men's Bible study yesterday. We thank you for the prayer meeting we had online yesterday morning. We just pray, O oh God, that all the activities of this church will know the blessing of God. Father, we want to remember the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church that will meet in Belfast this week. Oh God, we are just so aware we need a breath of your Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come sweeping through us. We need revival, Lord. We need a breath of your Spirit to revive us and 
bring us to be the church that you want us to be. Lord, the devil is so busy in Ireland today. And Lord, you turn to your son's church and you've called us to be an army of people. You've called us to be salt. You've called us to be light in the generation in which we're living. And Lord, we believe that the only hope for Ireland today is Jesus. And Lord, thank you that every believer has the amazing privilege of telling the people of Ireland of Jesus who is powerful to save, of Jesus who makes a difference. We pray for those here today who do not yet know Jesus as their Savior. Lord, speak to them today. Bless them today. Draw them to yourself. And we pray for all of us as we go to the fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm. Lord, just write these truths upon our hearts. May we see something new in your word this morning. And Lord, may your word come with freshness and power and boldness. Lord, it's exciting living for Jesus in October 2021. Lord, we're not here today by chance. We're here because the Lord of heaven wants us to be here. We're here, Lord, as your servants, and we're saying, Lord, speak to us. Lord, remember Samuel in the Old Testament said to the Lord, speak, your servant is listening. And Lord, that's our heart's cry in these moments. Speak, because your servants are listening. Lord, may we be men of faith and women of the truth, and may we go from this place on fire for Jesus to live for Jesus in a brand new week. Hear us, we pray. We pray this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to sing men of faith, rise up and sing. Because that is the focal point of all our teaching. And if it stops to be the focal point of our teaching, then uh, send me away, sack me. But stops being the focal point of our teaching. Okay, here is our title this morning. There it is, Dark Valleys, and we've come to verse 4. I reckon if we went round our building this morning, and if I was to ask you, out of the six verses that make up the 23rd Psalm, what is your favorite verse? The favorite verse with many people would be the verse that we have come to this morning, the fourth verse Listen to what David says in verse 4. He's describing his relationship with the Lord. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How often when we lose a loved one who was a believer... And somebody comes and reads a passage of Scripture. In nine out of ten times, that passage of Scripture often is the 23rd Psalm. And our hearts somehow connect when we come to this fourth verse. But let me show you in this fourth verse of Psalm 23, the key, the key that unlocks the meaning of this verse is one little phrase. I want you to see it there in your Bibles. It's the phrase, the valley of the shadow of death. Is David just randomly speaking words? What on earth is he saying or meaning when he talks about the valley of the shadow of death? 
Look with me at this first point this morning. In Palestine, there was actually a valley called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And the Valley of the Shadow of Death is located south of the Jericho Road that leads from Jerusalem down towards the Dead Sea. Let me give you very quickly some things that happened on this, in this region during biblical times. When David was running away from Absalom, his third son, where did he run to? He ran to the Valley of the Shadow of Death according to 2 Samuel chapter 15 or 16. When Jesus taught the parable of the Good Samaritan, he earthed it in a location. What was that location? According to Luke chapter 10, verse 30, it was this very valley where this Good Samaritan was traveling or walking through and the man was attacked. Let's look at some background facts about this valley. Here's the first one, point number A, or point A. The valley of the shadow of death is four and a half miles long. So straight away, you can realize that we're not talking this morning about some insignificant valley. Here's something else, point B. Its side walls are over 1,500 feet high in places, and it's only 12 feet wide at the bottom. So you can see that if you had to travel through the valley of the shadow of death, it would be a pretty big ask. It was a pretty tough place. It was a dangerous, dark place to journey through. Look at point C. In the valley, there was an unwritten law that flocks must be led up the valley in the morning and down the valley in the evening. Why was that? Well, the reason's obvious. If you were a shepherd and you were leading your flock one way and another shepherd was coming and he was leading his flock the other way, there was not room in the valley of the shadow of death for two flocks of sheep to meet and squeeze past each other. Some background facts. Then look with me at point number two this morning. Let's highlight some key words in the first half of verse 4. I want us at the start of verse 4, in a sense, to walk very carefully through the words that make up the start of this verse because there's so much here. As I say, these are not random words. These are words inspired by the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture. Here's the first word. Look at the first word I want us to think about is point A. It's the word even. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And when David uses the word even at the start of verse 4, where has he taken us? He's taken us back to verse 3. What's he just said in verse 3? He says, the Lord leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. I said last week the paths of righteousness were always the right paths for believers. And he's saying that even sometimes those right paths for believers will take you and take me through dark Difficult valleys. Do you know, the Lord knows what he is doing with your life and with my life. Even in the days when you seem, and even in the weeks, and even in the months when you seem to be going through that dark valley and it's tough going, listen, the Lord knows what he's doing with your life and with my life. 
Job 23 verse 10 says, But God knows the way that I will take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. So when David says even, he is looking back. He's saying, Lord, even when you direct me into the dark valleys, you're in charge and you know what you're doing. The next word I want us to think about is the word, look at point B, is the word through. Even though I walk through. I'm so glad he doesn't say, even though I walk in. He says, even though I walk through. Isn't that so encouraging? Believers walk through their dark valleys. We don't get lost there. We're not there forever, but we walk through our dark valleys. I was just thinking about this this week in preparation. And let me say these words, for the person that's a Christian, our problems, what are our problems? They are temporary and our blessings are eternal. But for the person that's not a Christian, their problems are eternal and their blessings are temporary. I love what David said in Psalm 16, verse 11. He says of the Lord, in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I was out for a walk very, very late last night. I've been driving a lot yesterday and I just wanted to unwind. And I walked through the center of Kilkenny and prayed and there's lots of people last night were looking for pleasure. And it lasted for a few hours last night. But when you meet Jesus, you discover that at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. Even though I walk through, let's look at the third word, point C, the valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let me give you another fact about this valley. The words will come up here on the screen. David, as he wrote Psalm 23, based the imagery of this fourth verse on what was also called the Wadi Kelt. The Wadi Kelt. Sometimes it was called the Valley of the Shadow of Death, and in other times you'll find some commentators call it the Wadi Kelt. And the Wadi Kelt was a dark, deep, difficult road. Today, if you ever go to the Holy Land, if you ever go to the land where Jesus once uh, walked in human form, you will find that there's a modern road between uh, Jerusalem and Jericho, and that's used most often. But back in biblical times, the route was the Wadi Kelt. It was narrow, it was steep, and it was twisting. And you know, there's rich significance here for every person that's a Christian. I want to say, if you're sitting here today and you're a child of God, you are in one of three places. Here's your options. Option number one, you're about to go into a dark valley. Option number two, you're bang in the middle of a dark valley. Or option number three, you're just coming out of a dark valley. And all Christians go through dark valleys. And sometimes when we go through those dark valleys, we're there because we're disappointed with ourselves. We've done something and we regret it bitterly and we're full of disappointment. Or maybe you're in a dark valley because you're disappointed with your marriage spouse and something's gone pear-shaped. Or maybe you're in a dark valley because you're disappointed with somebody in your family. Maybe there's even some of us today and we're secretly 
and wrongly, but were disappointed with God. And those dark valleys are difficult places to be. But you know, every mountain has its valley, and every valley has its mountain. And listen to what James writes in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete. Where do valleys lead to? Valleys lead to higher ground. And if you're a Christian today and you're going through a dark valley, be encouraged you're going through it and you're going to higher ground. Came across recently this quotation from Oswald Chambers who was a a preacher of a past generation. It will come up here in the screen. Look at these words. Every humiliation, everything that tries and vexes us is God's way of cutting a deeper channel in us through which the life of Christ can flow, unquote. Isn't that true? You get to know a brother or sister in Christ and they seem to be on higher ground, so to speak, spiritually than you and I are. And you get to know them and you see that they've got there through many dark valleys in their life. Even though I walk through the valley of the, look at point D, the next word is the word shadow. You know, we know this so well that we miss this, I believe. We are so familiar with the 23rd Psalm that we miss this. What does he mean when he says the the valley of the shadow of death? I'm so glad it's not the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. He's talking about the valley of the shadow of death. Now, a shadow, think about a shadow. When there's a shadow, what does there have to be? If there's a shadow, there has to be a light. And think of David's imagery. He's talking about his relationship with the Lord. And he's going through the valley of the shadow of death. And why is there a light? Because the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. And believer, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with you. There's a light. So which is it for you? When death comes, will it be the valley of death or the valley of the shadow of death? And then look at our last word, point E. It's the word death itself. You know, lots of people don't want to use that word today. Have you noticed in our society today, we talk around it. We don't use, we talk, we don't say so-and-so has died. We say they've passed away. We don't use the D word. It's uncomfortable for many, many people. But the reality is, unless Jesus comes first, you're going to die and I'm going to die. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man the once to die and after this, the judgment. And oh, there's the world of a difference. I as a pastor have sat at the bedside of believers who have loved Jesus for so many years and they're looking forward of seeing his face and it's a privilege to be there with them in their last hours. And I've also sat with people that I've talked to and prayed for and pleaded with them to trust Christ and they haven't trusted Christ. 
And it's the most heartbreaking thing in the world to sit beside somebody and they're going out into eternity. And they're not a Christian. Which will it be for you? The valley of death or the valley of the shadow of death? But you know, this psalm is just so rich. I want us to see a third thing. Look at point number three this morning. It's very significant that Jesus traveled to the cross through the valley of the shadow of death. I find it so encouraging that Jesus himself took this very route that David is referring to from Jericho to Jerusalem. Do you remember on Palm Sunday he entered Jerusalem and later that week, on the Friday of that week, he was going to be crucified at Skull Hill and die to make a sacrifice for the sins of his people. So Jesus has taken this journey. I want to say that again to you this morning. Jesus has taken this journey. And when Jesus died at Skull Hill on that Friday afternoon, and they took his body down from the cross and they put him in the tomb. He didn't stay in the tomb. He arose from the dead. And listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 54 and 55. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Believer, do you know what that means? You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of death because you know that when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus will be with you. Here's a fourth thing I want us to learn together. Look at point number four. There are aspects of God and his character that can only be seen and understood as believers go through dark valleys. You Christians often say to me, well, now I'm a Christian. Why do I have hassles? Why do I have problems? Why do I have difficulties? Well, let me say again, there are aspects of God and his character that we only discover as we go through the valleys. Look at how verse 4 goes on. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm increasingly convinced, and nobody's probably going to, or they're going to have a pretty tough time to convince me otherwise, that before Jesus Christ comes back again, it's going to get more difficult being a Christian in Ireland. It's going to get more, more, and more difficult being a Christian. And maybe we're going to have to suffer for our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And part of the calling of every Christian is to learn to suffer well for Jesus. I look at many of the heroes of the Bible, and they went through their valleys. They went through their times of suffering. David, at one of the lowest points of his life, Psalm 42, verse 3, listen to his language. Tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Or listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8, 
We do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Assyria, sorry, Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired even of life itself. Or listen to Peter in 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through as if something strange was happening to you. Believer, there's going to be valleys. There's going to be tough days. But please remember, we're not going to be lost in the valley. We're not going to be in the valley forever. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ is going to be with us in the valley. In Matthew 28 verse 20, Jesus says these words, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. If you want to be stirred in your Christian walk, read some of these life stories of these great missionaries of a past generation and see how they trusted God. And God brought many of them through their valley times and yet they were spiritual giants and they went to higher ground with God. And when pioneer missionary David Livingstone was receiving an honorary doctorate at the University of Glasgow, this is what he said as he made his speech after receiving that degree. Can I tell you what supported me through years of being among people whose language I could never fully understand and whose attitude towards me was always uncertain and often hostile? It was one thing. I am with you always, even to the very end of the ages. And David Livingstone went on to say, on those words I stake everything and they have never, ever failed. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But he's not finished, sure he's not. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Each shepherd boy took special pride in the selection of a rod and a staff exactly to suit his size and suit his physical strength. What was it, the rod? The rod was made of a young sapling tree. The shepherd boy learns how to throw it with amazing accuracy and speed. And the rod was the instrument that the shepherd used to discipline and correct any wayward sheep. And the shepherd threw it. If he saw a sheep straying, he would would take his rod and he would throw it with great accuracy. It would just land beside that sheep as a warning. Get back into line again. Don't stray. So the shepherd's rod was his weapon of power, his weapon of authority, his weapon of defense. Believer, I want to remind you today that God has given us the scriptures, the word of God, as our weapon of authority, our weapon of power, our weapon of defense. And do you know what happens in those dark valleys? Satan, who is the father of lies, do you know what he comes along? He comes along and says, you know, well, if you were a Christian... If your God really loved you, why would he let you go through all these tough times? And he sows a little doubt in our minds. Be very careful when the enemy does that. 
And when the enemy does that, you do not need arguments against the enemy. You just need the Word of God. Use the Word of God against the enemy because the enemy hates the Word of God. Ephesians 6 verse 17 says, It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Our clever arguments are okay, but there's nothing like the power and the authority and the conviction of the Word of God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You probably know what a shepherd's staff was. It had had a crook at the end. And if a sheep fell into a difficult place, the shepherd would go with the staff and he would pull it out. But the commentators also tell us that sometimes the shepherd would take a staff and he would use his staff to pull the sheep close to himself to examine the sheep to make sure it's okay. And I wonder... Is this not a picture of God's Holy Spirit? God's Holy Spirit who wants to draw believers close to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Because Jesus keeps a keen, diligent eye on all of us who are Christians because he wants to know how we're getting on. He wants to know how things are going. The shepherd's rod is symbolic of God's word. And the shepherd's staff is symbolic of God's Holy Spirit. So what do we have here in verse 4? What a verse. We have a believer going through a dark valley. But who's up front? Let me tell you who's up front. Jesus, the good shepherd is up front. In one hand, he has the rod. In the other hand, he has the staff. And who's he looking out for? He's looking out for you. And he's looking out for me. And at those times when we're tempted to panic and say, Lord, it's dark, it's difficult, this valley's tough going. Do you know what he whispers in our ear? He says, trust me. Just trust me. I've been through this valley many, many times before. I don't know about you, but that blesses me to bits this morning. That whatever I'm going to face this new week, Jesus, my amazing Savior, says, Jonathan, just trust me. It's not new ground to me, Jonathan. I've been through it many times before. And I'll lead you through it. And he says exactly the same to you, my brother, my sister in Christ today. Whatever you're going to go through this week, he just says, trust me. Trust me. I've been through it before. And I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What a verse. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray together. Father, I want to pray this morning 
for those here who are going through dark valleys. And Lord, maybe they're scary valleys. Maybe they're valleys when somehow they just can't see the next step. And they just can't make sense of all that's going on in some of our lives right now. But Lord Jesus, thank you that you're up front. Thank you that you're the good shepherd and you lead the way. And Lord, at those times when we just can't maybe see the way to go, you whisper in our ear, just trust me. I've been through this valley before. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the good shepherd. You're not the mediocre shepherd. You're not the inconsistent shepherd. You're the good shepherd. And Lord, I pray for those who almost feel overwhelmed by their dark valleys today. Lord, may they know the intimacy of your presence. And Lord, may you remind us that we don't get lost in those dark valleys, but we go through them to higher ground on the other side. Lord, forgive us for our impatience. Forgive us for those times when we say, Lord, hurry up. What are you doing, Lord? And thank you, Lord, that you want to take us to higher ground in our walk with you. Lord, write the fourth verse of Psalm 23 powerfully upon our hearts and encourage your children. And Lord, if there's anyone here who is not a Christian, Lord, we don't want them to go to the valley of death. We want them to know Jesus and then it will be the valley of the shadow of death because Jesus will be with them. Will you save somebody today, Lord? And will you encourage your own people as well? We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.